2: On September 8th, 2015, the first episode of Set Lusting Bruce was released. To celebrate our anniversary month, I plan to put out a new episode every day this month. During this month, I would like to share feedback from my listeners. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments for me or any of my guests, please send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 469 249 2442. If you're not part of our Patreon group, please think about supporting the podcast by making a small monthly donation. Everyone who joins gets a personal thank you card from me and a Set Lessing Bruce sticker. Pinning on your level, you can get early access to episodes and unedited videos of my discussions with guests. If you haven't rated the podcast before, please go to wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating, hopefully five star, and let people know why you love the podcast. Hope you enjoy this month of episodes, and now on to the show.
1: But the whole set list thing, my analogy for the set list is that it's a bit like in football. The set list is basically the final score. It tells you the result, which in the set list terms, how many songs did he do? And then it tells you who scored, which in our terms is what were the songs that were mm-hmm. played. So that's all you're getting when you see a set list. It tells you nothing of what happens in those three hours. Absolutely nothing. Like I've seen five live shows this year, just in 63 days, as I said. And there were a lot of similarities in songs, naturally. But to me, I came away from it with different sensations, different nuances. You think Mary's Place in Villa Park, Mark, like that, if you someone says he played Mary, Mary's Place all five all five shows that we we've been at. What he did in Villa Park was just incredible. The way he just threw it out to Roy.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are in the middle of 30 days of Springsteen in September. Uh, My insane idea that I'm going to do 30 episodes in 30 days to celebrate Set Lessing Bruce's eighth birthday. The first episode of Set Lessing Bruce was in 2015. And so to celebrate, I have a return guest, UK Mark.
3: Hey, Jesse. Always lovely to speak to you. Good to see you again, buddy. Yes.
2: And then Brian Hayes is joining us, his first time on the podcast. And the reason we are having both is I often say that Bruce brings us together. And you two gentlemen are a perfect example of that of finding each other and then determining there's even more in common in your friendship than Bruce. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's a pleasure. And not only is this my first time on your podcast, it's my first time on any podcast. So go gently on me.
2: I promise I will. So let's start the, as Mark said before we started You've talked to me so many times, so we're going to include Mark and in some, but I did want to start, Brian, I always like to start at the beginning. Tell me where you grew up and what kind of music did your family listen to when you were younger? I'm
1: from, originally born and bred Dublin in Ireland, so... Couldn't tell. I'm supposed to have the gift of the gab, but we'll see how this goes. And um, I'm an only child of... And parents who are no longer with us, but were with me for quite a long time, well into well into their eighties on my father's side, and my mother was in two she, she 90 last year before she passed away. But their musical tastes were very middle of the road. I would I suppose I would put it. My father was very much into classical music. He loved he loved even as a child bringing me to things like the operas La Boheme, La Traviata, things like that. So it certainly was a, a broad spectrum. My mother was a a great listener to Terry Wogan, another famous Irish exporter to the UK, basically took over BBC Radio 2 for many decades. and She would have him on the radio every morning when I was getting ready to go to school, which I didn't mind going to school, unlike some people. I, Did,
2: I, I find there are two kinds of guests. The people that embrace their parents' music, and as they become a teenager and a young adult... They just expand their listening to other things, but never really turn their back on their parents' music. Others, totally Teenage Rebellion. That's none of that's for me. I find my own music. And then when you tune 30, you go, wow, this Johnny Cash guy might have had a little something. <laughs> Maybe my parents weren't foolish after all. Which one is you, Brian?
1: I would be probably... I did embrace my parents' music because it was on, and when it's on in the house and you only have one playing machine, you you have to love it or loathe it. But I suppose the big change for me was when I went to university, and then you were moving around in different circles, listening to different music, being steered towards more modern and probably more rock-type music, the likes of Led Zeppelin, Yes, Genesis, those sorts of... uh, One thing that one... Often gets asked is what was the first proper concert you we were at? And the first one I was at, I can still remember the date 22nd of November 1979. And Queen came to play in the RDS in Dublin. It was the RDS is very sacred to Bruce when he comes over to us here. But that is the first concert I saw that really left an impression with me. And I suppose Queen, they had their ups and downs, and then they had their Live Aid performance in 1985 in Wembley. And that really rocketed them into stratospheric levels of interest. And that probably moved me more towards the the rock type sound that got me, eventually led me towards the Bruce discovery.
2: I always love to ask this. Can you remember when you first discovered Bruce? And can you articulate, Brian, why his music spoke to you?
1: I can remember precisely is when I left college I decided to train as a charged accountant or would have it over there CPA so I worked with them trained in the firm called KPMG and this was back in 82 83 I qualified in 84 but to complete your articles and get sanctioned as you've been qualified you had to do another year so you're a qualified accountant continuing to work away and in the But at the winter of 84, working KPMG, we used to socialise on Friday nights. You'd finish your work, come back from your audits, go for a few drinks, maybe have a bite of tea, And then you go to the nightclub. And I always remember, sticks in my mind, you were in the nightclubs and there'd be music playing. Some people would get up dancing, some would be just chatting. And then this song would come on, Dancing in the Dark. Everybody, just you, you just put your drinks down, and that was it. You started dancing, and it was played continuously on the radio. And together with Born in the USA, suddenly that sounds that's a sound that that sort of hooked me for want of a better word.
0: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
2: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
0: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
1: Now, Where that would have gone, I don't know. But what happened in the spring of 85 was a concert was announced for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band in Slane, which is about 30 miles north of Dublin. It became sort of quite infamous for good and challenging reasons for Bruce. But tickets went on sale for that two months before the concert. If you think the lead time you get for concerts now, that was, you're going tomorrow. Yeah, that so I, is. I,
2: yeah, that's yeah. greatness. <laughs> so a,
1: a, a group of us said, "Mom, let's get tickets for Bruce. £15, pound, which is probably dollar time. $20, $25 maybe. He said, let's make a day of it. And that was the 1st of June 1985. And just to give you a, a description, if you're not that familiar with Slane, it's out in the country. It's like a natural amphitheatre on the banks of the River Boyne. And it has a castle in it. And the owner of the castle, Lord and Charles, had started doing these concerts back in 1981. He had Thin Lizzy, he had U2, And in 1984, he had Bob Dylan. Now, to say the crowd at the Bob Dylan concert were not best behaved would be understatement of the year. They thrashed the little village when they were finished. They attacked the police station. and Basically, the the locals said, no more concerts. The United Nations of Irish negotiation managed to persuade them, listen, we put in place all the protocols to try and make sure everything goes fine for this. Bruce Springsteen guys coming over from the States. And they eventually got sanctioned in April to have that council. And as they say, the rest is a little bit history. Um, Do you want me to go into a bit of detail about the day itself?
2: Oh, please. I'd love it.
1: 1985, first of June, a lovely Saturday. It was a bank holiday weekend here in Dublin. So we all got in our cars, headed up to Slane, Probably had to park four or five miles. The farmers made a fortune with all the car parking charges. And then you traced your way over the River Boyne into the little village and then on out to where this uh, venue was. And it, it is, if you see ever see pictures, I get a chance. It was an absolutely glorious venue. And the day itself was probably the one sunny day we had that year. As I always tell people, we all got sunburnt on one side, all on our right side, because that's <laughs> where the sun was. And... But purportedly, there were meant to be 60,000 tickets for the concert and just checking up this morning. They released an extra 4,000 tickets to try and obviously stop touts working. So you would have thought 65,000. But in those days, you didn't have the technology, the scanning and all that. And this was a natural environment. This wasn't an enclosed, walled structure. They do reckon, the guards certainly have said, there were over 100,000 people at this. And it was just glorious inside. Now, where I was just on a bank of the amphitheater, down at the front, it all got a bit tricky for Bruce. And I can understand where he would have been coming from. Because two days earlier, there had been an absolute tragedy in Belgium at a football match where 39 people were killed in a crush. So <clears> a lot of the crushing that happened at the start of the concert and um, caused concern for him. And he got quite anxious talking to John Landau after... At the break, but everything did seem to eventually calm down, and you can read that in his autobiography. But then, as they say, two minutes past five, Born in the USA started, and we had three and a half hours, I think, with a small intermission, and it was probably the most amazing occasion I have ever witnessed. They say the the highlight was the river, and you did that because they had big screens showing. The river that was behind him. Okay. And just the, the emotion that just created. Like, the river became a sort of a focal song for me for the concerts that I had seen him play. And uh, it was just so good. But I, I'll give you a postscript: When we all eventually got back to our cars, drove back to Dublin. Midnight, eating pizza on the bonnet of your car saying, what a night, what a day that was. And the one thing I can still remember to this day, I said to the friends of mine I was with. I said, do you know something? I am never going to see him again. Why would he come back to Ireland? He's done Ireland now. That's it. We're done. The 80s were a tough economic challenge. He did us a courtesy of calling and playing here. He's going to go off and play the normal venues. We'll never see anyone like that again. And then over 38 years, I saw him 12 times up to last May. Thank you. That
2: is a wonderful story. I'm so glad you shared. Any thoughts, Mark?
3: Just jealousy of anyone who got to see Bruce in the 80s, as as we've spoken about a few times, Jesse. My first experience was 92. I would have given anything at the age of 9, 10 to have been taken to the Born in the USA tour. I love hearing any stories that people have got about... uh, Dublin comes up a lot. Wembley Stadium, early July, 85, comes up a lot in terms of people telling these incredible stories about how it changed their life, how they got to have these incredible shows. Brian's mentioned it there but the shows were starting at like 5 p.m 5 30 p.m they were carried out almost entirely in the daylight lots of the official Born to Run video features the European parks so Dublin's in there Leeds is in there so lo- looking and seeing that and seeing all of those kind of afternoon early evening shows when I was a when I was a kid watching those videos for the first time that those are the shows I would l- long to have been at Brian and I over the years we've known each other have had lots of detailed stories about his experience at Slane it sounds like an incredible afternoon
2: yeah it does two thoughts Brian one I was thinking of I've never gone but people have said that Red Rocks in Colorado is a venue that is iconic it is it is a natural anthem and you have to you have a long walk to get in the theater and then it, it, you have to walk up these rock stairs. So if you Google Red Rocks, they say they say it's an amazing. So check that out. But the other thought and I had a guest and I wish I could remember his name because I I talk about him all the time and I wish I could give him credit. So if you're listening to this and you made this point, email me. But there was a guest and he said that he was attending a reunion tour show. So this is like 99, right? Hmm. And he's thinking in the tour, this is it. It's never gonna get any better than this. The band has broken up. They've come back. They have they're playing magic magically. This is so majestic. And this is it. This is the apex of my Springsteen fandom. Maybe we'll get a tour every once in a while, but really it's all downhill for Perrin. He says, I want to go to that guy and go, you don't know what you've got in front of you. You have The Rising. You have magic. You have Bruce on Broadway. You have a world tour with Wrecking Ball and his autobiography and letter to you you're at halftime you're not at the end of the show you're at halftime and so i imagine a young you you write, you're like how many more times can he come to ireland and to see him another 13 times must i get a feeling like it's there's a term in louisiana cajun french Lanyop, a little extra it's it's all house money at this point. Based on if you're talking to that young Brian, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And the interesting thing was he actually did come back three years later in eighty eight on the Tunnel of Love Tour. And I don't know what young Brian was doing then, but he was it wasn't even on his radar. He didn't really pick up on that. But what helped me but get on to as was the next level of the Bruce Train, um, it happened in nineteen ninety-one. And I was in, we, I got married and we were down in Portugal on holidays and made friends with someone who's now become a lifelong friend um, who lives in Sligo, which is on the west part of Ireland. And he had a very strong Bruce knowledge. His name is Shawnee. And we kept in touch after we came back. And he said, Bruce is playing in 1993 in the RDS. Do you fancy going along to that? And I did go along to that. And again, I went along to one in 2003. Again, with my friend, Shawnee. And I suppose he instilled in me, listen, whenever you get the opportunity, grasp it. And that's pretty much what I've done at a relatively light level up to his last tour in Ireland before this one was 2016, the River Tour. And... He was doing it in Croke Park. Now, Croke Park would be our equivalent of Wembley, the biggest stadium in Dublin, 80,000 capacity. And he was doing two nights in Dublin, a Friday night and a Sunday night. And I was thinking, okay, which night will I go? But at this stage, I was thinking, do I have to choose? Can I go both nights? And I said, hell, come on, I'll go both nights. And I actually went on both nights and... I suppose the level again moved up. But compared to the way things are this year, I was still really just, I was baby crawling. I'm, like, I'll be perfectly honest with you, at the Croak Park concerts when the band came out, if someone had tapped me on the shoulder and said, name all the band, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I remember when he, he opened the second night with Incident and just on a piano solo, just came out himself and did it. That song didn't click with me now. Whereas when I look back on it now, having built more knowledge, passion, interest, I can see the significance of it as it was at the time.
2: That's a great story. One of the things I, it reminds me of is my first show wasn't till 2002. Just for various reasons, I just had never had a chance. So I'm like, Mark, I was... Linda and I got married in 84. We moved to Dallas in 86. So we were probably still living in Louisiana with the born in the USA tour. And up until gosh, I can't even remember. There was no thought of traveling to a different city to go to a show. Right. He came to Dallas. Good. If he didn't, okay, I didn't get to see him this tour. And the idea that wait a minute and i was at 2002 he did mary's place and i vaguely knew the rising i had not listened and since then mary's place has been one of my favorite songs and he didn't play it earlier in this tour and so when i'm going to see him in columbus i'm going to see him in arizona my hope is, please don't drop Mary's Place. Please don't drop Mary's Place because I well, want to see this so much. Yeah. You no, know, oh, please.
3: Mary's Place is a really interesting one for me, for me on this tour. Jesse, the last time I was on with you, I, I said that I think there's been more of a a community on this tour than ever before. People trying to get their friends or their family to these shows. People being generous with the tickets that they've got left over. How can I give one away? How, how can I get someone... Yeah, there that is going to be their first show, or they haven't seen him in thirty years, or I've said to you on a previous podcast, I got my sister across to Copenhagen, and I was like, look, you really have to come and see him. I've it's the tickets on me. Just make sure you get here. First. Yeah. So, I I love pretty much every one of his songs as we've spoken about. I I don't hugely care for Mary's Place. It's fine. Yeah. Do you know what? On this tour, I think it works absolutely perfectly. I love it. I've enjoyed it every night. I've seen it, and not to be too cliched about it, but there's the line: "Everybody is here." Yeah, and that's the essence of the show. Everybody is here. Everyone's trying to get everybody here. And if for those that can no longer be at the shows, they're here in in spirit for this incredible retrospective, mortality-heavy setlist that we have. Right, everyone's here in spirit, or they're here in person. But Mary's Place takes on a new Reference point for me of look, this is the kind of the central spirit of the show. I've really been enjoying seeing that, and I think it speaks to the community and the, the dedication and the overall message that the band is trying to put
2: out.
1: Yeah, I my, my, my cousin was there last night in um MetLife, and she's gone to I think two, she may well be gone to the third night, and she was at the front on stage right, stage left. And so just watch Bruce doing the walk up and down during Mary's place and just that connection, that's the thing this tour I'm discovering. Quite late to the party, but glad I'm at the party.
2: Yeah, there is. If you had told me we were going to get Kitties back, I would have said, eh, just not one of my favorite songs. Don't care. And. So we're at the Dallas show was the first show that I saw on this tour and my wife went with me and my son and we're talking afterwards and they're both going, what was that song that was almost like we were in a jazz club with all the solos and everything? I said, that's Kitty's back. Man, I love that. And I said, I got to tell you, I owe Kitty's back a huge apology. And I think that's what we miss. I remember I am not a fan of the blues version of Born in the USA. Just I like the rock version, but and I'm going to go to Broadway in a minute because I know that's a connection you two have. But when I was lucky enough to go to Broadway and he played it after that story, I went, I'm never going to second guess this guy again. Right. That and my one of my good friends, eh? I don't really know if he needs my father's house on Broadway. And I'm like, you gotta hear the story. There, trust me, he's not picked a song that he didn't need. I mean, there is a story that may be apocryphal, but I like to think it's not. Is there was a scene? There was a day on West Wing where. The script had two commas in it. Very clearly a typo. And they said, we have to call Aaron and ask if this is a typo. And they called Aaron Sorkin. And he goes, yeah, that's a mistake. Which comma do you want us to delete? (laughs) 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 I'm not... why are we fucking with Bruce's set list, right? He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to kick off to Broadway. You guys shared me the video, but Brian, we're going to start with you. Mark, feel free to s- jump in, tell the story of Broadway. First off, Brian, was it a big decision to make that choice? Because it, it was a big choice for me. I had to go to my lovely bride. And I have told this story multiple times. There are things in marriage where your spouse asks you or you ask your spouse and you're not allowed to say no. For example, their sibling wants to come for a visit. You can't say, I really don't want to put up with your sibling. You go, yes, absolutely. So when I got the ticket to go to Broadway, I got the chance to buy a ticket. I had to tell Linda, you're allowed to say no. This is a big ask. Brian, talk about this, your journey to Broadway.
1: My journey to Broadway, it, it, it will be not what you expect. Okay. Firstly, I did not go to see Bruce in Broadway. I did okay. not see the show. I wasn't actually meant to be in New York okay. the day of Mark's birthday. What happened was my son-in-law had managed to be drawn, and was very lucky to be drawn, to run the New York City Marathon. Oh, nice. He had run the Dublin City Marathon the previous year and he finished it. Mind you, we had to nearly stretcher him into the car home so we thought he'll never run a marathon again. He threw his hat in first time got accepted. My daughter and he's now her husband they decided we're going over to New York for it's the round of 3rd, 4th of November this is 2018 mm-hmm. and my younger daughter and her part, her boyfriend at the time decided, oh, we'll go as well. So the four of them, back in February, bought their tickets, did their accommodation. That was grand. During the summer, my younger daughter and her boyfriend decided they didn't want to be boyfriends anymore. So suddenly there were three of them going to New York with a spare ticket that for the price of a name change, someone else could go. Okay. And my my wife said, Paul is going to be spending four or five hours running around New York. My two daughters are going to be going around New York on their own. They need someone over there with them. They need their daddy with them. Now, I had worked in New New York in 1982, so I had for the summer, just a summer job. So I had a bit of familiarity with New York. So I said, that's fine. I'll buy the ticket from the ex-boyfriend. I said, we'll go over. And of course, I was aware that there was a Broadway show going on. So I said, hmm, would be a chance I might even just get to see him arriving, just getting out of the car, walking into the show. So I said, what I'll do is I'll bring the live Seeker Sessions CD cover, which was not a glass case or the Perspective case, it was a paper case or the cardboard case. Yeah. I said, I'll bring it with me just in case. So we flew over on the 1st of November, ended up in Times Square, and Emily, my younger daughter, saw Walter Kerr Theatre, Springsteen on Broadway. She says, Dad, that's where Bruce is playing. So we took him wander down. This is about 7, 8 o'clock. Obviously, everyone had gone in for the show. She goes over and asks, when does Bruce normally arrive here? And was told, oh, normally around 6.37. Is there a chance that she might do autographs? Oh, yeah, he does autographs. See that small little pen over there? You get about 20, 30 people in there. They get their autograph if he's inclined says, what time does he need to be here at to get an autograph? He said, oh, about 3.30. She said, that's fine. Dad, you're going to be in that pen at 3.30 on the Friday. So on Friday, actually, at quarter past three, myself and two or three others were in that pen. And we were joined by this lovely English couple. And I'm going to pass it over to Mark because he can give it from his perspective of what happened from there on until Bruce arrived, of course, to seven.
3: Yeah, it's rather lovely. So it was my 45th birthday. And that's pretty, pretty special. So we had designed a kind of a nice six or seven day long trip to the US to do my two very favorite things in this world. On the day of my 45th birthday, we got tickets to Broadway, which was the November the 2nd. And then the next day, Jesse, before knowing you, we flew down to Dallas. And I had a few days in Dallas and saw the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. So I had my 45th birthday weekend with Mr. Springsteen and my Dallas Cowboys. Gotta love that. The, right? Yeah. It was, pretty, it was pretty special right up until the point where the Cowboys lost very badly. But anyway, we had the breakfast. Catherine had surprised me with like a brunch in a very famous diner in Chelsea, the Empire Diner. Now, uh, anyone that watched the Western Stars movie all the way to the end of that movie might pick up on the reference of the empire diner in chelsea um because it's where bruce and patty then reveal at the end of western stars that they used to go on early dates and go for a a coffee there or a beer there or sit on the park bench outside the empire diner now we didn't know this at the time it took us to then see the western stars movie to realize that had actually been quite some part of bruce's history so we went to the empire diner had a very lovely brunch and we're in New York City, and I was asked, "It's your birthday. It's New York City. What do you want to do?" And I said, "I'd like to go and stand for several hours outside the Broadway theater and wait for Bruce." So, in in the city that never sleeps, so in the city with ten thousand tourist things to do, <laughs> up Broadway we wandered and stood outside the uh, stood outside the theater, and just by choices, just by chance, as we walked towards it, the pens that Brian has just described either side of the stage door we could have gone to the left or the right and as we were walking to it we thought okay let's just go in here and just by lovely serendipitous chance stood next to Brian started talking and we haven't stopped since that was November the 2nd 2018 here we are in early September 2023 we haven't stopped talking yet just co- completely beautiful chance just got talking telling some stories as over the course of the next three or four hours the pens filled up as they do and and then Bruce arrives, and honestly, we thought he wasn't going to come over to us. He got out of his car. I don't know what other experiences people have had, but he he took quite some time signing on the other side of the stage door. Brian and I were standing next to each other. He there. was he was he was
1: autographing arms and everything. He was like, autographing arms. arms. We thought he was, was about to there. go in then.
3: Yeah, He'd been over there three four minutes, and I thought, okay, we've seen this. We've seen this play out before. That's him done. Yeah, over over he came. Over he came. Brian got his album signed, which is just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And I thought, I'll give it a shot. I have his autograph. I didn't need an autograph. I wanted some kind of connection. So as he finished signing Brian's CD, I said, hey, Bruce, it's my 45th birthday. Can I just get a handshake? And he put the top back on his pen, shut my hand and said, congrats. So just that's the seven seconds you get with him which are always very special, just lovely. And then he signed a couple more and was gone. And then a couple of hours later, I sat and watched the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: I think think just to post-script that a little bit as well, because I was getting the autograph, I I obviously wasn't holding a pen. He had his pen. I was holding the CD cover in one hand. I just had the phone there, just recording it to see what it might pick up. Because it did pick it up, I said to Catherine, I said, I need your number to send this on to you. Because had I not done that, our contact would have just been those three and a half hours together. But because I had that, I said, I'll flip it on to you. And they actually recommended that diner for our breakfast the next day. And we all, the four of us went down to it.
2: That is, I love that story. I have been lucky enough because of this podcast to meet so many wonderful people like Mark. When I'm going to Columbus, there's three or four Rachel is gonna be there, so is Jacqueline, and so I'm looking forward to meeting people. I assume that people like that are fans of the Grateful Dead, and speaking of, people like with Jimmy Buffett, who, as we're recording this, we just found out passed yesterday, they make friendships too, but it feels like that happens even more on this East Street Nation that Bruce fans seem to be a little more open to making friends and connections. I would open my house in a minute. Brian, if you were going, well, I'm going to be in Dallas. Do you want to, do you want to stay here?
1: And Linda would go, you don't even know this person. They're a Bruce fan. But to pick, let's, let's pick up on that point. Yes. And um, if you yeah. think back on it, November 18, myself, Mark and Catherine met. And I flippantly said, if Bruce ever comes to Dublin, whenever he's back again, sure, listen, come over to us. And they sort of said, yeah, it'd be lovely to go to Dublin. And of course, what happened, we had COVID, which interrupted things a little bit. Yes. And then we got the announcement in spring 2020, 2022, that he was coming to do two concerts in Ireland. A little and bit more than the two months,
2: right? A little more. A time little time bit time. more. A little bit more than two months. <laughs> yeah. so
1: we, myself, Mark, and Catherine on the day the tickets went on sale. Mark was in Denmark, meant to be at a meeting, kept deferring it and deferring it while he was trying to log in to get tickets. I was Catherine was trying to get tickets in the UK, where where she lived, and I was there in just outside Dublin, trying to get my tickets, and to say. They, they they say things like marriage, moving house, and all that is the most stressful thing. Sorry, no, waiting for Bruce tickets. when you're number 60,000 in the queue is yes. much more stressful. We managed in the space of probably an hour to an hour and a half. They went on set at 8 o'clock that morning. 27th of May, I think it was. We managed to get our tickets for the two nights for what we wanted. And my daughters were getting tickets as well. We actually had some tickets for friends who weren't able to get in. To the apps. Mm-hmm. I then went out to walk around our green with our dog, smug in the knowledge. I'm going twice to see him. And next minute, a friend of mine says, he's added another date. Hot-footed, back onto the phone, back onto Ticketmaster. And I said, this one is for me. I'm only buying one ticket if I happen to get it. If I don't get it, I'm not disappointed. So I got the third ticket. And I said, I can't believe it. I'm going to see him three times in five days. That's off the scale and that was how I felt that day. And then Catherine and Mark were saying, we're good to go. We're coming over. And I said, that's fine. We'll put you up. And they said, oh, no, we'll pick a hotel. Now, I know hotels in Dublin around concert times are horrendously expensive. I said, you're doing no such thing. You're staying with us. And I explained it to Heather, who said, yeah, friends I met that I know for three and a half hours are come to stay with us for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, four nights. Yeah, four, four nights. nights. Yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. And my wife will now say on the strength of those four nights together, my wife has been to wondrous things to As far as she's concerned, that's that box tick. I can go off and yes, do my own thing. yes
2: there are people like that. As far yes. as
1: she's she now regards Mark and Catherine as dear friends that she, she would open her doors for in a heartbeat. And that's not it, it stems from the Bruce friendships, but it goes way beyond that. And I think a lot of the friendships that I've discovered over the last four months while have their roots in the Bruce connection, have the capacity to go way beyond that. And it, To me, I've regarded this formal journey as almost like I've been 38 years following Bruce slowly, and then the champagne cork has just come out of the bottle and it has just gone absolutely mad. If you think about Jess, the reason we cut across each other was through this little WhatsApp group of about 19 or 20 people. And like every day, there's messaging coming left, right and centre. And they're from all around the world, all around the world. South Africa, Germany, UK, Ireland, the States. So there is, I, I now get that. I, I'm starting to understand that sense of Bruce community that I never realized existed. And I'm glad to be part of it.
2: Yeah, I, I do think it's a gift that we find. And I tell this story all the time, but it's worth repeating as we do this anniversary month. The guy who at the time was running the network that I was part on. His name was Rob, and he said, I said, hey, Rob, I want to do a Springsteen podcast. And he goes, sure. And we talked a little bit, and after he hung up the phone, he told his Marth- his wife, Martha, Jesse's going to do a Springsteen podcast. I think we'll get a season out of it, which is 12 episodes. It's I just hit 1,090. <laughs> and
3: It's inspirational, Jesse. It's absolutely and, it, inspirational. and it's
2: all just people sharing their stories, talking about how this band and the rest of the band have added so much
1: joy in our life. But I think back to when I got my tickets there, that time at the end of May. Actually, I'll I'll tell you a little story about that. day. Having got the tickets, I had to do an errand over to Dublin, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and I was driving back to head over back home to Dunboyne, which is about 12 miles outside Dublin. And I was passing the RDS, which is where the three concerts were happening. And I just pulled up outside, took the camera out, took a picture, sent it to Mark and Catherine and says, 49 weeks, guys, we're going to be here. Mm -hmm. Where did that 49 weeks go? I don't know. But little did I know at the time, this is how things escalate, that Mark and Catherine then decided that as a, a sign of appreciation, they wanted to bring me when Bruce finally announced his UK days they said would, you, would I be their guest in Villa Park Birmingham in England to which I said I'm in count me in and I was treated they organized the accommodation they organized the transport I don't I I tried hard to put my hand in my pocket for that concert night and I don't think I managed to do it they just wouldn't yeah, let me was, do that anything. that it wasn't was. happening. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely wasn't happening. And then Mark had to fly over to Miami on the Sunday. The concert was on the Friday. On the Sunday, he went down to Florida on business. And he sent me a text. Obviously, he had landed. Sent me a text late at night to say, Brian, how would you be fixed on the 11th of July to go to Copenhagen? We have two tickets. And if you want to buy the tickets, there are two friends of ours that were unable to make it we have accommodation booked, we'll put you up. And I thought about it for probably a millisecond. I said, I'm in. And I said, do you mind if I bring my cousin, who they had met in the pit queue for the RDS concerts and who they got on very well with. And they said, couldn't think of a better person. So myself and my cousin flew over to Denmark on the 11th. We were on the six o'clock flight in the morning. Mark had us breakfast ready for us when we got to their Airbnb, Airbnb. Brought us out to lunch. Walked us up to the Copenhagen Stadium. First time I saw the East Street Band on an indoor performance. Which again was another little box tick for me. And then the next day we had a lovely relaxing day around Copenhagen and flew up that night.
2: So, total amount of shows seen together now.
1: Uh, 38 well. years. 38 years it took me to get to 12. 63 days, I did five. And I'm now going to San Francisco on the 10th of December with another Bruce connection i would made in this summer's journey.
3: Nice. Yeah, we've done five five together. we, we, we Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no, four. I'll, I'll correct that. We've done four, four together. The f- yeah. first two Dublins, Villa Park, and, and the first night in Copenhagen. Jesse, I, I'll just had one thing in there. I only wrote down one thing I very specifically wanted to just mention on this because c- it, it it connects to the whole idea of the community, but it also connects back to your podcasts. I, I had no idea that you'd done so many, but one of the guests you had on, I met in Dublin. Brian uh, and I went to uh, Nikki Germain's book signing in Dublin, just standing in the queue, got chatting to a lovely american lady who had was saying that she'd always wanted to do the dublin shows and had brought her family over and was then going to be doing rome as well and there's just this weird thing that happens sometimes you feel like you need to keep talking to someone right you don't have any idea why and a couple of times in the five minutes we were just standing in this room together the conversation stopped and then started again and we get to the point where we're next up to to go and get our book signed and the lady, Michelle, who you've had on one of your podcasts, starts telling me that she'd been at the Roxy shows in 75, uh, 78, and was this longtime Cal- Californian fan of Bruce. And I started talking about the the box set, Live 75 to 85, and how that was mainly, that, that was pretty much the first thing I ever got from, of Bruce's. I saw some videos and then very quickly got the Live 75 to 85 box set. And I loved as a 10, 11-year-old listening to it, the part in growing up where he talks about one of my parents wanted me an author, one of my parents wanted me a lawyer, they don't understand I wanted everything, and someone shouts out from the crowd, but you got it. And it was Michelle I was standing there talking to in in the hotel, and I'd always remembered listening to that and thinking, wow, how incredible would it be to, like, have bruce hear you and this was before the days when i went to see him right and i remember i was telling michelle this i was like i'm so pleased to meet you with all the people i could have met because you you have been like a constant in my life i i know your voice i've connected to it i've told people about you saying that phrase at a bruce show and being on a recording uh so anyway Michelle and I start talking, and she's got a thousand other amazing stories about some backstage uh, experiences she had in the seventies, and she shared them on your podcast. And it was just a delightful thing to be able to meet her. Anyway, we go downstairs, we bump into her family, and I start telling some of her family, "Hey, I've been listening to your to your mum's voice or to your wife's voice for thirty odd years." It's just a beautiful moment of unbelievable connection. That idea of community, that idea of you go to the shows to see bruce but invariably something else happens not every single night not every single time not every single show but invariably something wacky happens at these shows where you meet someone that knows an old friend you meet someone that's got a similar story or a similar experience and and honestly i i i loved meeting michelle as much as i've met loved meeting any fan because we just had that ability to just go, wow! We have the same point of reference about something, having grown up in completely different countries and I wasn't at that show and you didn't know who I was, but here we are able to just share something for ten minutes and connect. It's a beautiful thing that, that, that this Springsteen community
2: brings. I'm sitting here as you're telling that story and listening to you and Brian right. This literally is – there's a Doctor Who episode, Turn Left, that talks about alternate timelines. But you're pulling up. You could go to the right. You could go to the left side. Right? And if you had gone to the other side, maybe you'd gotten a handshake. Maybe you hadn't. But the bigger gift is this friendship that just – you think about – the odds you're in New York at the same time. You both are going in there early, right, Brian? You're not. You don't even have a ticket. He's not
3: even. He's not even going to the show. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, I'll take it. I'll take that one step further. Yes, we could have decided to go into the right side of the pen or the left side of the pen, whatever it might be, at the hotel where we did the the book signing with Nikki. We all the the three of us that went together stood downstairs in the lobby and thought, we're going to get coffee. Should we get coffee now or should we just go straight up? Oh, we'll just go straight up but if we'd stayed and got coffee i would never have got to chat to michelle
0: we, yeah
3: similarly we could have been stood next to each other and just simply not struck up any kind of conversation now there's been lots of kind of people on on twitter posting photographs of oh i went to the Nikki jermaine book signing you'll never guess what gary was there or yeah. anthony was there or x y and yeah. z member of the band came in fact it happened to brian's cousin very nicely in new york a couple of days ago mm-hmm. Yeah. give give me the chance now for Gary Talent to have been there or for me to have met Michelle and talked about the Roxy in 78 I'll take meeting Michelle right that's but you it's that kind of beautiful moment of just somehow a connection that will live with me for the rest of my life that will live me for the rest of my life that I got to meet someone that had been a part of my Bruce journey since 1987 yeah when i went to
2: see bruce on broadway i made the decision that because i had gotten my seven seconds on in austin at the book signing that i wasn't going to try to stay in the pen before or after just decided that wasn't what i wanted to spend my time on but bella pori is someone who's been on the podcast multiple times And she drove in and we went to dinner beforehand. Uh, And I don't say this with over hyperbole. Meeting Bella in person, breaking bread together is almost as good as seeing Bruce and Broadway because it's someone we had connected and we do that friendship. And I'm so blessed that when you had your business trip, Mark, to see all these shows, we didn't go to Dallas together, but we got to spend an evening together. We broke bread together. We got to meet everyone else on my podcast. We got to talk a little cowboys. And and Chris still smiles. He'll say, what does UK Mark think? What's going on? Well, and, again, uh, again, you know, it's, a,
3: it's an incredible point of reference, right? I got, if anyone's heard the the podcast that we did a little while ago, I'll just, I'll just be really brief. But I got ridiculously lucky with this business trip that coincided in the U.S., yeah. where I could get to the, just completely by chance, see some shows be in Dallas and see you. Those shows were wonderful. I got to see some of the very early shows. But in 10, 20, 30 years time, when I look back on that trip, Jesse, probably the memory of the shows I might not remember exactly what happened in Orlando versus Dallas versus Seattle, or I might not remember, oh who did I meet? Which business did I meet? Or when was I here that I saw that company? I, I'll never forget that the six of us sitting in that kind of Tex-Mex roadhouse in North Dallas, right? That will remain with me forever, more vividly than, oh, did I get Detroit medley in Dallas or did I get X in Seattle or did I get something else in Orlando, right? That interpersonal connection is way more important.
2: So, Brian, you're going in San Francisco. How did that happen?
1: This happened um, through one of the the Twitter people who had been posting um, little video clips, from started from Barcelona, continued through the RDS shows, just started watching it. And there was a connection we made with, um, I hadn't realized it at the time, through a lady called Kim in Philadelphia. And she had lost her aunt a few years ago. And what she asked people to do was, when See You In My Dreams comes on, just say a little thought for her Aunt Lucy. And, of course, when you get your phone out, maybe do a little clip and say, you put it up on Twitter, say, "Kim, this is for Aunt Lucy. And the other chap did the exact same. And we we did it a couple of times. And we started just tic tacking on the Twitter. And then we followed it on a little further just by swapping numbers and just mainly chatting. We ended up meeting in Copenhagen, and just again, he chatted a lot, as we know. And um, I suppose as a result of that connection, and then the little grouping that has built up on Twitter that I've been brought into, I see. I feel like I'm on a high speed train, and it just keeps going and adding on, and it's it's just lovely to see the interaction. Everyone is just they're they're just so friendly among each other, and. He had intended to to go to San Francisco with his wife, but it's a long way to go in December for a Bruce Springsteen concert if you're not that much of a fan. So the opportunity came up for me to go over, and I said, look, this could be the last time, because we, at the time we had no 2024 dates, so let's just go for it. The phrase, you only live once, it does apply here, and that's where we're off to and actually I'm bringing my wife over heather's coming over with me mark so we're going we're actually making a weekend of it we're going in on the thursday and back out on the tuesday so it'll be her first trip to san francisco i was there in 1987 so beautiful city, city it's a yep. lovely city it's just you think of sometimes american cities in terms of scale and big and huge and all that san francisco is intimate it is
2: it's the first time we went, and I say this with love in my heart. She goes, "It's like New Orleans, but it doesn't stink."
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun place. Very fun yeah. place to go, Brian. I'm 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 very glad that you've uh, been able to take that offer up. That's uh, that's yeah. I suppose, I, I, I suppose
1: from my point of view, I suppose I I've been fortunate to see Cruz play fifteen times in Ireland over the last thirty eight years. Yeah, I've dipped my toe outside by going to the UK and then. Denmark. I said, surely I have to go over and see him in his own home patch, although oh, I yeah. know it's a, long way, it's a long way from New Jersey, I know that.
2: Yeah, but, but it's uh, still, yeah.
1: There there are some thoughts about Philadelphia next August that might happen, let's see.
2: Alright, open call if we can work out Dallas during Dallas Cowboys season, Mark will be here.
3: Yes. <laughs> I, that, I is <laughs> that, that is certainly true. Yeah. All right. So, Jesse, yes. one one other quick thing, of course, is you talk about that whole sense of community. I know someone else that's been on your podcast before and that puts out some really fantastic tweets, like particularly about kind of mental health and being is Rachel, yeah. and you're seeing her in Columbus, yeah. which is really cool. And she's had this incredible music journey from seeing Nils. It's her story to tell, but I, I, from what I've picked up from it, I think he played at her university campus yeah, and she just went on a whim and was inspired by seeing a solo show. That the, the musical talent, of course, of Nils was on display, but also Nils very often talks very eloquently about his struggles with addiction, his wellness right. issues that he's had. He will, in most shows that he's done, he'll talk about his alcohol addiction or yeah. at least make reference to it. And from what I've picked up from her tweets and what she said on your podcast, that was an incredibly strong connection that she got from how Nils was and what Nils spoke about. You've had her on the podcast. Now you get by chance to see him in Columbus and meet her before the show. Again, it's that whole idea of kind of everything is coming full circle with people striving to meet each other and get to another show and spend time with new people. It's yeah, Yeah,
2: absolutely. All right, I'm going to ask you the Mary question in a minute, Brian, but any final thoughts you want to share or is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't?
1: I almost feel I've only scratched the surface. I've been thinking about preparing, but not, I don't mean preparing. Most, yeah. Yeah, no, in, in, in approaching this conversation, I had a lot of things like, make sure you say this, make sure you say that. And I'm thinking, there's so much I haven't said
2: let's do it again all right i
1: would we'll love just... to hold that position because if all i right. tried to throw in things it will be doing it it would almost be rushing for the sake of rushing it and
2: yeah so never, let's never, never the... rush a good thing we have no time. that's absolutely good let's plan another time let's do it after you come back from san francisco we'll book something we'll do this again where it's my morning your afternoon and we'll talk about the san francisco trip we'll talk about the other things and and then mark can listen as a guest going i wasn't on this one and i get to hear my good friend brian tell stories (laughs) but in the spirit of i do want to the tradition is i end every episode with the mary question jay armstrong is retired now but when he was teaching he would give his high school seniors the lyrics to thunder road they would explore it as if it was a poem, looking at the imagery, talk about the word choices, and then he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? That is your question, Brian.
1: Jesse, as I explained at the start of our conversation, I've only heard one of your podcasts, which was from Des Brosnan in Chicago. And so that is the only answer I've heard to the question. And I thoroughly enjoyed her response where she actually said to you, Mary gets in the car, changes her mind, gets out, and Wendy gets in. So that's the only hint of, and you've obviously had many responses to it. Whether mine is going to be different or the same, but it's certainly not based on having gone back and listened to any other episodes I suppose what I've done is just, I came from a slightly different perspective. Everything shrimp a little different, put a twist on it. And my initial response is, are we asking the right question? Ooh, I love this. I'm wondering, should the question be, does Mary exist? Or is she an allusion to the writer? That's where I was coming from. And I wonder, why would you approach it that way? And I'm thinking back to when Bruce was on Broadway and... During one of the songs, I can't remember which one, he says very clearly to the audience, listen to the lyrics, which was an instruction, listen to the lyrics. So I went back and had a look at the lyrics, and I suppose the ingredients to support my view of a a slightly different question was, when you start, she looks like a vision, which made me say, okay, does that make her real, or is she an illusion? I'm not sure. He then immediately follows up by saying, Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me. So he needs to create a Mary. There isn't a Mary there. He needs something there. And then we get into some spiritual little tidbits where he says, show a little faith, making crosses, praying for some something. We get the one last chance to make it real. All redemption I can offer. All spiritual type phrases. And then he goes into the phase of ghosts in their eyes. The haunted, dusty beach road. Heaven is waiting down the tracks. And I look at that and my ultimate conclusion was he's imploring this illusion, Mary, to climb in, to be his guardian angel, to, so to speak, and to be on his shoulder and basically to help him pull out of here to win. And that's who Mary was, not a real thing, an illusion to help him out of where he was at.
2: I absolutely adore that answer that is a great answer a couple people for what it's worth have said something similar never mm-hmm. as beautiful as that I will and I'm not just saying that what I thought was interesting is Warren Zane the guy who delivered me from nowhere the book on yes
3: we're both reading it right now Funny yeah. enough
2: so he was on the podcast and this was the third or fourth springsteen podcast he was on so i was trying to do different i think the interview ended up going well but his answer was that he never talked to mary this is all in his mind he says and he named a girl from high school so i'll just say alice he said i asked alice out a hundred times in my mind but never did it in reality because I didn't have the courage. He said to me, this is all in his mind, but he'll never have the courage to go over there and really talk to her, which I think is a really good answer too. I love your answer. And once again, if you read the lyrics, the, the evidence is there that supports that view. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right, Brian, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way?
1: I'm on Twitter at Brian Hayes757. And should they can email me if they want. I have no problem with my email address being available. It's bthayes60 at gmail.com. All right. The 60 is a, the 60 is an indication not of my age, but of my year of birth. So I've obviously passed the 60 at this stage. I'm rapidly approaching 63.
2: I I am 59. So I am I am right there with you. Mark. Yeah. Always fun catching up, buddy. How can they find you?
3: At MKD1973 on Twitter. Be always happy for people to reach out and tell us what they think at the end of these podcasts. And yeah, Jesse, it's always really good to see you. I know we've had a bit of a tough year. So I hope you and the family are all doing okay. And I hope to get to see you again in person and hug you like a brother one more time at some point.
2: Absolutely. I totally agree. Listeners, be safe, be kind. I'm going to, I think, you guys both express something really that needs to be reminded be present before the show and l- say hi to the people next to you because you never know your new best friend might be next to you and you just don't even know it yet mm-hmm. thank you listeners thank you brian thank you mark we will talk to you soon goodbye
1: It uh, reminds um, me of the, okay. remember the start of that year that uh, Bowie died? Yeah. And we had a series of, oh God, that was just so Yeah, we lost Glenn Fry and then we, we ended
2: up losing Prince. I just had a guest on talking about that he thinks that the Bruce Springsteen version of Purple Rain is the ultimate tribute to prince and he said the other thing is was bruce was smart enough to know what song to do and smart enough to give Niels the spotlight of the guitar solo
3: right have you heard nils's comments that he's made on this
2: i may have but please repeat
3: so nils heard that prince had died and literally that second went through the process of, oh, I'll bet Bruce will want to do Purple Rain. I'd better learn the guitar solo. And literally the radio, he was listening to the radio and he heard that Prince was that and he was literally picking his guitar up at literally before the news story had even finished thinking three steps ahead of Bruce is going to want to do this. And he was learning the guitar solo literally within minutes of hearing the news for the first time because he just thought, I, I need to just be ready for this. This is where it's going to go. <sighs>
2: Isn't that just tell you everything you need to know about this band and how in sync they are? It, it does.
3: I just had
2: Alan Walsh. By the way, he did a he does a hockey podcast, and he had Max on, and Max talked a lot about music, but he talked a whole lot about hockey. Huge hockey oh. fan. Oh,
3: so big I, Devils! New, New, yeah, New yeah. Jersey Devils, right? Yeah. So yeah.
2: I will send you both the link because the podcast is worth listening to, and him linking the band's performance to an athletic performance and such this guy alan walsh said okay forget hearing the band if you had just handed a fan the list of everything he's doing in this show you would have got wow pretty diverse set list thumbs up and then when you but then it's because it's not changing and he said, so from my perspective, yeah, there's always one offs we wish we would get because we're selfish. But overall, he's doing a pretty good perspective of his show and his career.
1: Yes, I have a, I have a particular view. I don't get involved on Twitter in terms of debates and arguments and rows. I yeah. have nothing about my views on most things. Are Yeah. Airplane, airplanes and nice sunsets and whatnot and good news stuff regarding Bruce.
2: We're going to get to the show proper, but I did want, I thought of the same thing, and Mark, I'll i will talk in terms of American football. No one is going to complain. Troy Aikman has talked about the 90s Cowboys. He's, our playbook was very vanilla. We did not oh. do tricks. We didn't do anything. We just went out and executed yeah. many of the same plays the same way every game. And just executed them well, and we won.
1: Yeah, and do you know why they you did that? You did that because they worked.
2: Yes, right. And the and I I guess there's a small percentage of fans that go, they won, but they sure were boring. No, they're just like, hey, they won. I'm happy. So yeah, that's great.
3: That's the Bob Sturm line. Sorry, Brian. This is diving into NFL terminology. Bob Sturm line. We, we, we do not complain about a win around here. It is basically, is kind of, yes. we won badly, we won very boringly, we got a bit lucky, but we are not con- ever going to complain about a win around here.
1: Yeah, yeah. You'll, oh, you'll, you'll understand this phrase, uh, Mark. One nil to the Arsenal. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's talk Bruce and friendship. And by the way, I'll edit up some of this part. And inserted into the episode.
3: Well, the, yeah, actually, Brian's already made one of his really good points that I like about the analogy to the final score of a football game oh, yeah. to, to the set list. I, that's a really neat point.
0: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football